Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is episode two of the Live Courageous podcast show of 2024 and the 62nd episode since I started the show about two years ago. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 and an unconscious theme for most of my life. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. There's something contagious about someone who is courageous. So today I am very excited to have a very special, talented, beautiful, and courageous guest with a powerful story of overcoming. Michelle Moras is the CEO of Moras Inc., global award-winning keynote and TEDx speaker, an executive speaker coach, a co-host of two podcasts, Denim and Pearls, and Amplifluence. She's the host of the live stream TV show, Mental Shift, on the new channel, TNC, in the Philippines, and Zandra TV. She's a recording artist. She's also a multiple best-selling author and co-founder of Amplifluence, amplifying, amplifying the influence of coaches, authors, and speakers, a story advisor for Perfect Publishing. She's a survivor of multiple life challenges, including traumatic brain injury, breast cancer, and sex trafficking. And she also guides others to recognize the innate gifts within them. Stop apologizing for what they are not and step into who they truly are unapologetically. She accomplishes this through one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, training events, keynotes, talks, her books, and talk shows. She's earned her PhD in entrepreneurology. That's a, a, a tongue twister. And has graced the TEDx stage. She was awarded the first Survivor's Award from now, the Inspirational Woman of Excellence Award from the Women's Economic Forum, New Delhi, India, the John Maxwell Team Cultural Award from Positive Attitude, winner of the Ultimate Speaker Competition and has speaking parts in a few sci-fi movies. Recently, she had a role on Ghosters. And so you can check out her IMDB database for her credits. And she's been featured on hundreds of podcasts, radio programs, magazines, and quoted in books and has a habit of breaking out into song. And I hope that happens today. She has a music album that was just released in November. And her driving thought is that every day is a gift. Tomorrow is never promised. Every moment is an opportunity to be the best version of you unapologetically. With that, I have to welcome greetings, Michelle. Welcome to Live Courageously. Uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. What a what a background, what experience. I'm I'm just so blown away, impressed by you. Thank you for having me. It's like, oh, stop reading all that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to, I just had to get go all down that path. But you know, it, it's such an incredible, and when we get to hear the story even further, I think people are gonna be just blown away by the journey that you went on to be who you are today, unapologetically, as you say. Um, but I always like to tell people how we connected and we connected thanks to someone who, uh, um, a friend of ours, a co-friend who basically put us together and I'm gonna throw up a picture of him <laughs> with you and then a picture of uh, him with me. So uh, Ken Roshan was the one who reached out and told you to reach out to me and we had a great conversation. And I was like, wow, that's all I could think was wow. Well, um, we both have our, our keep smiling cards next to us. Indeed. I got mine right behind me. Yes, indeed. Um, so that's kind of why we came. So what does be, living courageously mean to you? Um, wh what does that mean, given all the things you've done in your life? How do you uh, kind of look at that? I see it as doing it afraid. I mean, really, honestly, that's what survival and resiliency is. It's not knowing if you can do it, but doing it anyways. And when you hear my story, and as you have heard my story, there are times when I wanted to give up, but I courageously stepped forward anyways, not knowing if I was going to make it. And you still do. It's That's the courageous living in my book is do it afraid. Go. Do it afraid. I like that. Do it afraid. Well, you've had a a, a unique background and, and usually um, I, I want the audience to really hear it from yourself. Um, I, you know, I know I gave an introduction and that was uh, just a little bit of it, but I, but I think your words and the way you convey them are even stronger. So what I'd like to do right now, and then we can have a conversation about it, is play a, a, a video of yours and then we'll get into some of the, the, the dark stuff you had to get through to get to the light. So let me let me uh, put that on on the screen, okay. and and we're gonna go with that. And um, let me uh, 
Hopefully I can get that done. This is always Do it courageously. This is always the fun part. Uh, and, and tell me if you see it and if you do. Do you see it on your screen? Yeah, it's about to play. All right, here we go. Imagine if you lived your life unapologetically. How would that shift your reality? At 16, without warning, my reality was radically shifted. In the blink of an eye, I went from the protective shelter of my parents' military home to being kicked out into a world that was foreign to me. Fear, uncertainty, hopelessness, hostility. I was unprepared. My world imploded. How would I survive? I became hyper-focused on what I lacked. I felt sorry for who I was, what I was, where I was, and why I was a failure. My downward spiral intensified. I moved through the stages of grief. I didn't realize I was stuck in the denial state until my car accident. For 18 months, I lived stuck in my head, unable to move, to speak. All my self-doubt came back. Once again, my world imploded. As the months went by, I evaluated every portion of my life, my ups, my downs, every opportunity I missed because of self-doubt. With time, I realized that my brain injury wasn't a curse. It was a gift of clarity, not a victim of my circumstances, but rather the crafter. I stopped harshly judging myself and started to see my potential. The mental shift I experienced helped me forgive and walk away from my past pains. I began to see others past their actions into who they really are. And I realized in myself that they too are the crafters of their destiny. As I reflected on my past experience, I discovered that regardless of what country I lived or traveled, the trend among professionals is doubt and depression. Doubting their abilities and potential. Depression seeping in because they live in an unfulfilled life. Much like my old self, they remain focused on what they lack. Overwhelmed, helpless, angry, unhappy, lost in themselves, afraid to step out of their comfort zones. Countless people live their lives apologizing for what they're not instead of owning their highest potential. I knew there was something I had to do. Life is precious and short. Stuck in self-doubt and depression is no way to live. That's why I became a coach. Working with Michelle changed my life dramatically. I felt lost before finding Michelle in my life. She gave me the motivation I needed to really want to pursue a life of coaching, a life of speaking and leadership development. She has helped me to grow in ways that I never imagined. As soon as Michelle started talking with these students, they realized that they can be something more. She's one of those people that you meet and you're never going to forget. That is Michelle for me. She has raised the bar on who I am as a person, as a coach, as a speaker. If you start working with Michelle, then my gosh, your dreams are the limits. My mission and passion is in helping you. People who are ready to move, take action, do it now. I don't coddle. I conquer with courageous clients. Life is short. Tomorrow is never promised. My brain injury and battle with breast cancer helps me become intimate with my inner critics. Together, we remove the veil of perceived inadequacies to step into who you are. Embrace the mindset. Be transformed into the person who's waiting for you to emerge. You are phenomenal. Where's your passion? Don't fear what lies beyond your comfort zone. Long for more. Leave that legacy of average at nine to five. Don't continue living your life apologetic. Maya Angelou said, my mission in life is not merely to survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. Join me and live your life unapologetically. All right. Wow. <laughs> That, that was powerful.
I, I love that video. Um, <clears throat> Culture Media did that for me out here in Colorado Springs. I'm like, wow, that was incredible. It, it is. I watched it and I I I, uh, I just had to share it. And, and you know, like you said, uh, do things while you're afraid. And obviously, you 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 know, you, you didn't live life without having some fears there, especially going through all that. So why don't you tell uh, tell us a little, take the audience through a little bit of those two things. And then the third one that I kind of mentioned in, in the beginning about another um, darkness in your life, which was being sex trafficked. But let's start with the brain injury, with the cancer, and then we'll get to that, the other one. And then we'll talk about how you got through all that. Because that's the thing, people sometimes think that, you know, you're, you're going through something and you can't get to the other side, but you can. So share your story with us. Well, and the we'll, we'll, the we'll definitely do it by the brain injury to the breast cancer because people were like, how did you make it through a brain injury? Well, my brain injury, I got hit by a car. And 12 days after that car accident, I stopped being able to speak. And I started gibberish is really what started happening. And then I stopped speaking. And then I stopped walking. And I needed someone to take care of me 24-7. And in the video, I said 18 months. But 18 months is when I started moving again but wow. I was still collapsing. So my husband said it was over two years that I actually wasn't me. And mm. so over two years, I was still reliving and I still have the brain injury. So I still have bad days where my brain shorts off. And then while I was recovering during that recovery time of my brain injury, I started having nightmares of dying and went back to my doctor and they said, no, that's your brain injury playing tricks on you. Well, eventually, eight months later, they found out that I actually had breast cancer, a very rare breast cancer. It was called Pageant's disease of the breast. And mm -hmm. people are like, how did you go through a brain injury and go through breast cancer? I And in that journey, those two together, I dropped over 240 pounds. And so I, I did a lot of adjusting, not my, just mindset, but my, my physical self and everything about me shifted during this time period of brain injury and breast cancer. And people said, how did you do this? Oh, eat dessert first. Yeah. I, I said that in my, 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 uh, Ted, my Ted talk. <laughs> but people ask me, how did I get through that? And this is what I find is very important when you go through struggles. I don't believe we experience anything without a lesson. And people ask me, how did I get through my brain injury and my breast cancer? And I said, one, I didn't want to die. Two, I didn't want to die not complete. And I, I can't, I, the only way I can explain that is when I saw my life flash before my eyes. Now, I saw it when the car hit me. Then I sat locked in my brain for over two years. So I got to reassess everything I didn't do. And then when I got that breast cancer diagnosis, I was told that I might have about three months to live. And so again, another death sentence. And then I survived the three months. And then every six months, I got cut open for another thing that they had to remove out of me. Now, that's a lot of stress, a lot. But the thing I think actually saved me is the one you mentioned. So what happened was my resiliency was built from when I was younger. And when I was 19, I was, I was taken my senior year of college and I was human trafficked. And Every day was torture. Okay, Every day was torture. I never had any time to breathe there. I mean, I was just in constant stress. But I remember saying two things. I will not die like this. My, my body is not going to be found like this. And mm -hmm. then the other thing was, I will not allow this man to win. And I, I remember I, I remember being completely helpless but in my mind, so physically helpless, but in my mind doing, he will not win. He will not own me. He may have the body, but he will not own me. And I, I remember that. Now, when I went through my brain, my, my breast cancer and my brain injury, the same thing happened. I'm not going to die like this. My dash on my tombstone is not complete. I lived too small. I was afraid. And that's why I say it in that video. I was human trafficked for over a year. When I came out of that, I was afraid to live. I was afraid of everyone. I was afraid of everything. And every time I did anything of significance, I went, someone's going to notice me and they're going to hurt me. And I would pull back. 
And that's where I got the, I live unapologetically. I have come through so much that I see the beauty in other people. That's why when I met you, I was so excited. I see the beauty in other people and say, don't play small. There's so much more in you. Don't get to your deathbed and do, oh, I wish. Wait, don't take me yet. I wish because I've had that happen to me. And so that's why I'm on a quest. That's why I speak so much because I don't want anyone to feel the anguish I felt when I thought I was going to die for real and I didn't live. Well, when I spoke with you uh, on the Zoom that time when we first met um, and, and were introduced to each other, I mean, I was just blown away by your, your, I don't know, your excitement for life, your passion for life, your your passion to do it all. And, and you know, I, I didn't expect when the connection was made to hear those parts of the story. I just heard that you were a speaker, you were an author, you were, you know, a motivator, you were all those things. So I'm like, okay. But I didn't expect to hear the that you what you were a survivor and overcomer that you overcame being sex trafficked as a young uh, woman that you were able to then deal with other things that came in your life you know like the TBI the injury the car injury and then overcoming cancer and all those things and each one of them just made you stronger and more determined to not only live the best unapologetic life to influence others to do the same thing. So I was just, it was just a great conversation. I was just like, I could have stayed on the on the Zoom with you for hours. It, it was just so uplifting for me to listen to you and, and hear your story. So uh, that's why I'm so uh, uh, glad to have you on this show to share it. But like you said, it, this this month is uh, Human Trafficking Month. It's a, uh, you know, it's also the Super Bowl, which is the worst time for trafficking in, uh, in our country. And, and I'm, so, uh, doing some support stuff, you know, film-wise with a group that actually rescues kids, certain ministries, they go out every year uh, on uh, Super Bowl, but also throughout the whole year, and they rescue children from traffickers. So your life, having a year on that, you were telling me some of that, and it just blew my mind how you had to get through that as a young woman by yourself. Tell us a little bit more, and then when you finally did that point where you broke away, tell us a little bit of that. Well, the thing is about being human trafficked is you don't know you are. I mean, honestly, I thought I had a controlling boyfriend. I, really, he was not my boyfriend, but that's really what everyone saw was some incredibly loving man who cared so much about me. He wouldn't even let me open a door. Yeah. Okay. He was so caring. He always had to drive me to everything because I could never be alone. Now, looking back at that, it's like, warning, warning, Will Robertson, something's wrong. He doesn't let her breathe. But back then, I mean, this is back in the 80s, everyone's like, oh, he's so sweet. Look at him, how hold he closes, hold, how hold, how he clo holds her so close. No, he had me basically with a gun in my side and he kept me and he did what he wanted with me and I could never talk back. And so I got very timid from that experience. And so I, because of the, the time period and it, it, human trafficking is very rampant. I want those of you who are watching to look at the people in your world, and especially the young ones and the young women and men. I, I am not what you would expect to be human trafficked. I was a senior in college. I had my own apartment. I had multiple jobs. I had my life, my life together. And people just assumed that I got quiet and I was doing all this other stuff because I had a boyfriend. No, no one noticed that my personality had changed and it can happen to anyone. And so when people say, oh, human traffic, they would probably runaways. Not, no, I had my own apartment. I was not a runaway. I was a hardworking student. So you never know who will be trafficked. Some of us were being like me. I was never taken and taken away. I was taken and used amongst the circle. That's a huge difference. There's different types of human trafficking. And with this one, he made me keep all my jobs. He made sure I went to all of them so he could take my money so he could do what he wanted with the money. I basically became his slave. Mm. Mm. And so there's different types of human trafficking. Not all of us are being locked in a box. Some of us are being locked in our heads. And that's what happened to me. I got locked in my mind. 
And your moment that you got away and, and, and you shared that with me on the call, what, what was that? What, or what allowed you to get to that point where you were able to make that break? And then, and, and what Unfortunately, was Unfortunately, I made the break because I was willing to die. Hmm. At that point, it, things were getting so bad. Um, if I spoke to some, I, I was a waitress, okay? If someone hmm. talked to me too long at a table, he would hurt me severely. Oof. And so it was like, I can't take this anymore. Kill me already. Just kill me. And I remember thinking I need to get away because I really want to live, but I can't live like this. And so when I finally got away is I held the gun to my jaw under my face, my, my jawline. And I wouldn't let him move it. I had held on to his hand and I'm pretty sure he's like, where'd the strength come from this girl? I mean, cause I was little and he was not, and I was holding the gun. And um, I had mm. decided that I'd rather I die than him ever touch me again. And it, it took me over a year to get to that point. Cause wow. at the beginning I kept saying something will happen. I'll get away. I'll get away. Something will happen. Something will save me. And nothing saved me. The police didn't come. All those people around my apartment who used to call the police on me because my dog barked, um, <laughs> didn't call the police when I was screaming, help, help, help. So I think I got to a point of exasperation that he kept finding ways of keeping me that I would never get away. I'd rather die. And when I got to the point of standing up to him, which was terrifying because I really took a chance on that one. Um, that he fell to his knees and said, why won't you love me? Mm. And I remember thinking, I, what did he see to think that was love? Wow. And then I remember promising God, I will help break this chain. Mm. And so when I got older, I started speaking at women's shelters and, and, and prisons and things like that. I got involved with the, with an outreach ministry because I wanted to break the chains. And so what I wanted I, my first message when I started speaking was to women. We are the mothers. We are the makers and breakers of the chain. Whatever our children see, they believe. So if you allow a man or woman to abuse you, your daughter learns that it's okay to be abused and your son learns that it's okay to abuse. So it's up to us to no longer tolerate what is happening to us. So you have to stand up to yourself for yourself unapologetically. And that's why I'm so I'm, I have this confidence about me is because I let that confidence go when that boy took me mm. and I became small. And all that did was make him stronger. And so now I train women and men to stand up for themselves because both sides get abused by whomever. It's not just a woman thing. I've met many, many men who are being abused. And the thing is, is with men, they can't even argue it. Because if they go to the police, the police do, yeah, right. You're bigger than her. Uh, she's beating me up. You can't even say that as a man. So I've learned so much as I've gotten older that abuse and sex trafficking happens to everyone and every age. Well. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing it with me in the call. And thank you for sharing it here for people to understand the varieties of it. But also, you know, like you said, the strength that you finally got when you when you uh, were no longer willing to put up with it and you were able to get out. And then you went on, you know, you went on this incredible, uh, Michelle, incredible journey of who you are today. And so now I would love us to shift because, you know, uh, into what you've done with that uh, trauma, with that pain, with that um, health issues and all that, and what you've done to be a, a force of light in the world. And, and you do it in so many ways. So, you know, the first one is I'm going to ask you is obviously your speaking is one, the living an unapologetic life. Uh, that's a, just a picture. And this is a picture of one of your posters that you're speaking thing, live, live unapologetically. How did you get there? How did you go? When was the first uh, event you did? And what did that feel like for you to get up and start speaking and becoming that that force uh, in the world? Well, what's crazy about this is I played small for many, many years. I, I was quiet. I, I was a great housewife, military spouse. And really what did it was 
sitting in my mind for over two years after that brain injury. When I sat there and had to reevaluate, was I really living or was I just coasting? And I'm like, I've been coasting. I haven't really done anything I wanted to do. And so I promised God, I will not be afraid anymore. And I will just live. And if I drop dead tomorrow, then great, I lived. And so I started doing that. And so to be able to go into an event and speak and speak from my heart and completely with love is amazing. So I always do big and loud. I, I love to live big and loud because I lived small for so long. And I've met so many people who want to live big and loud, but are afraid of what someone is going to say about them or afraid what their family might think or afraid that they might trip or whatever it is. My message is do it afraid, be courageous, afraid. And there's nothing about failing that is actually a failure if you learn from it. And so I've, I mean, I have a brain injury and started speaking, okay? I had a <laughs> 16 second memory and did my TED talk, my TEDx. I did it with a 16 second memory. And so I'm thinking of all these people who wanted to do a TEDx one day. And it's like, I did it with three parts of my brain missing and 16 second memory. You can do it too. And the thing is, is no one knew what was coming out of my mouth. Even I didn't. You know, so speak from your heart. TEDx is they make sure you memorize it. You know, go do it. And what's the worst thing that was going to happen? I forgot what I was going to say. That's what PowerPoint is for. It was going to guide me anyways. You know, that kind of thing. So I've learned that do it afraid. Do everything afraid because it means you care. I love speaking on stage. I love performing. Just watching some of them, uh, you, you clearly do. And that, that passion then comes across across to the audience. Of, of, and there's a bunch of different speech, speeches that you give. And I was just looking at some of them, you know, uh, Resilience 2.0. Uh, what, what are some of the uh, ones that you, uh, you speak on, the topics you speak on, and the ones you love the most uh, sharing with an audience? I love talking about the um, Amplify Your Magnetism. Because... I believe how you enter a room is how everything happens in your life. And so there's so many people I meet who walk into a room and they're not making eye contact and they're kind of keeping their hands closed. And they do. I wonder why that meeting didn't go so well. I didn't meet anybody. Well, because your body language is saying, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to anybody. I said, so my, one of my talks is called Amplify Your, your Magnetism. And it's putting a song in your heart that engages you to want to look at other people who makes you want to dance and talk to other people. So think of a song, even if you're in a bad mood, okay? Worst mood, had the worst day in your life. You go in your car, you put in some music and your favorite song comes on. How fast does your mood change? Almost immediately. So I encourage people to get a song in their head that encourages them. So like with me, depending on the room, let's see how loud I get. I walk in with my head thinking, I'm every woman, it's all in me. And a smile on my face and I'm looking around and people come to me like, because they're like, I don't know what that energy, I don't know what she's on, but I want it, you know? And so I'm only singing it in my head and people are like, oh, I don't know how to sing. You know how to listen, don't you? You know the tune in your head. Put it in your head and it will change how you enter a room. And once you change how you enter a room, it, your world shifts. The other thing people come into a room and do, oh, I'm going to be intimidated. So-and-so is so much more popular than me or so-and-so knows more than people. Whatever. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. Everyone is the same. No one's better than you. No one's lesser than you. We're all on the same road. We're just at different mile markers. So go in there and be you and let people love you for being you. So I, that's one of my talks I love to give because it's a um, interactive. <laughs> I have people stand up. I have them moving. It's I love it. Well, that's a that's a I, I can imagine how people will get the energy level will go up uh, when you do that. That's for sure. So um, how did you when did you do it the first time? What was and, and what was uh, and then the the growth since then because you've gotten tons of awards and i know it ain't about awards but you know you you've got so many of different types 
you know, I'm just going to throw up a couple. Here's one. Um, and then, there's, you know, there's another one. I mean, you, you know, that's a different one. Uh, let me see. Top Influencer Award um, finalist. So you've gotten a lot of awards. But what was that beginning when you started out? And how did that grow as a, as a keynote speaker for you? How did you build that on, to, on that? Uh, being authentically myself. You have to understand, I started speaking with a brain injury. So I would literally not know where I was going. Wow. And my husband would bring me to a conference. Someone would ask me to speak. And I, my husband would bring me to the conference because I wasn't allowed to drive yet. And then, um, and, and then, and then I had, had breast cancer and they cut off my breast. So I really couldn't drive because I couldn't even put the seatbelt on for a while. But I would go into a room and my husband would tell me, you're here for this. And this is your topic you gave them. Okay. And then I would go up on stage and start speaking. And then I didn't even know I was a speaker. I was actually in India at the Women's Economic Forum. It's one of the awards I won. I didn't even know I was there. I went there with a brain injury and breast cancer and didn't tell anybody. Got this award. And I wrote my husband and took a picture and sent it to him and said, I just got an award for something. Here. Well, that's awesome. I, do. I don't know what I did. <laughs> like, wow. So it's crazy. My career started as a speaker with full brain injury. So I was truly being myself and sharing my experiences. And then I started getting awards and I was like, what did I do? And I remember being out in, in Europe. I had gone to um, Ireland and someone said, Marcel, be you, be you. Um, I went to Ireland and someone said, how does it feel to be an international speaker? And I said, I, I'm not an international speaker. I'm just here sharing my story. And they went, you were in India and now you're in Ireland. I think you're an international speaker. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So it, it feels like I blinked my eyes one day. I was not, and now I am a, an international speaker. I lost many of my, my years of my life with a brain injury. So even though I was speaking, a lot of it's a blur. Wow. And, you know, they say that public speaking is one of the things that, that people have the biggest fear of. Um, number one. And number one, right? Mm -hmm. and, and like you, you know, said, you know, the lesson listening to this for anybody is just, you know, obviously what you were able to do is just be yourself and do it, right? You you overcome the, the fear by facing the fear and going and doing it anyway. You know, not by uh, trying to get rid of it first. You just do it. And yeah, you know, I, I think have a second memory. Do you really think I could go on stage for an hour and talk? Yes, actually, yes, I can. <laughs> I, and, and that's the inspiration. You know, I think hearing stories of, you know, people who overcome anything, it's just people need to hear that because people play small, people limit themselves. They, they let fear drive them as opposed to courage. They let the fear keep them in that smaller place when they can be, like you say, walk into that room and just take the room, you know, just be there. Right. I, I mean, it's like just watching you just, I'm telling you, you inspired me just watching, watching the stuff that you did, because it's just, it's so powerful. It really is so powerful. Thank you. Um, and I think pe people need to hear that message and give themselves, like you tell them, give themselves the permission to be able to do that. Yeah. Give yourself permission to make a mistake, even though doing what you love, because making right. a mistake, doing what you love is not a mistake. Right. Well, I know. I, I mean, I started out when I was a teenager. I was so shy. I couldn't say my name in front of people. I'd start stuttering. By, by the time I got to the second, I'd get John out and then Duffy would forget it. That would go all kinds of different ways. But, you know, once again, every time when I started acting and starting to get out there, I had the fear. But once you step into the fear and you do it, you learn, you overcome. And mm -hmm. and, and you may never get rid of the, that little moment of fear initially because it's in your body somewhere. But so what? So what? It's I like, it. yeah, you know, you just do it anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So besides the speaking, um, Obviously, you're also a best-selling author, and you've written a, a bunch of different books. Yeah, so, don't try reading them. I've got like 29. 29 now, really. 29. Wow. Wow. I, I have a list of a 1,000 books that I plan on reading. I'm going to need like two more lifetimes, I think, to get anywhere near that. But <laughs> so I, I'm going to add a couple more to that list. But uh, 
you know, t tell us a little bit about that. I mean, obviously you have a couple of different books um, and which ones, let me just see if I can get up here. Here's one. Well, I have five of my own own, and then the rest of them are Hold My Crown is a compilation book. That's and, a compilation one, yeah, right? Yeah, I brought, I brought other women in there to share their stories of resiliency and grit with the world. And uh, still growing on that one because I, I want to do a men's book, Hold My Crown, men's king's edition, because I've met so many people with so much resiliency and so much grit, and they don't want to do their own book. And so I did this Hold My Crown to get each of these women to do their own book, to to start their own crusades and pretty much all of them have. And so it's like, wow, now I need to do a men's book. But I was so busy trying to finish my doctorate a year and a half ago and life got a little crazy. And then I started a music album and doing movies. So it's like, when do I have time to do another book? But the 28, 29 books, I want to say five of them are mine alone. And right. the rest of them are, I've written chapters in other people's books around the world. But they're pieces of my story because uh, they're all over the place now. And the one, your your most recent one, was that the Unapologetic uh, book? Mm -hmm. So that that is available on Amazon, uh, as, as is all the other ones. But uh, there we go. I love it. Unapologetic. Well, um, and they're all available on Amazon, but they're also available on my website, which is michellemoross.com. And I always encourage people to buy them off of me because one, I autograph them and then you get it directly from me. Well, and the other side of it is, it is, I would just say it also supports you better than going through Amazon. Is that not true? It's so, very true. And that's, uh, is that your website right there uh, yes. on, the, on the screen? Yes. So that's where, that's where they can go to, and not only to purchase the books, but also to see all the stuff you do as a speaker, as a, a life coach, as a trainer, uh, all the information on everything. On, on everything is there. It's a great website. It has great stuff. So yeah, go there, buy the book there, um, buy a few of the books there. Subscribe and then we'll to me. That way they yeah. always know where I am. <laughs> exactly. And then of course, there's other places where you can follow uh, Michelle like here on YouTube, her YouTube channel. You can follow her there. Um, you can also follow Michelle on Instagram. You can follow her there. She's everywhere. You can follow her on Facebook. So you, you definitely can follow her in any way you want to be able to, to con uh, connect with her and, and um, you know, reach out if you want to hire her as a speaker, any of those things they can do. But definitely um, that that's just some of it. But then, you know, you have so much time on your hands doing everything from speaking to to writing, to acting in, in, in sci-fi's now, and then you you know you just recently came out with a, uh, a, a your own um, song. Or let me see if I have that up there, which yeah. is I, I may have put it up or I may not. Oh yeah, see that that that's why I like it when somebody like you is ready to help me out here. Well, um, I like the back because I'm laughing. Yes, that's a great pick. And then this, of course, is the. Uh, thing if they want to get it. This is the actual music CD uh, limited release. And once again, you can get it on her website. Um, but tell us about that. You love to sing. You obviously started off with a little bit. I kind of hinted at the beginning that maybe, maybe we were going to get really lucky here and uh, you were going to uh, share something with us, a little song. So if you're up to that, I'd love to have you do that. And then we can talk some more about the, uh, the recording. Okay, well, that music album happened because I'm a speaker. And sometimes you just need music to imprint an emotion into the audience. And so I would either start with a song, end with a song, or sometimes just drop a song in the middle. And people would come to the back after a talk and do, oh, I just bought all your books. Where's your album? And I'd say, <laughs> I don't have an album. I'm a speaker. And they do, I would listen to you all day. And so one day I'm doing my unapologetic speaker camp that I do here in Colorado. And a man walked by and he says, you're a singer. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm a speaker. And then my <laughs> podcast partner from Denim and Pearl screams across the room. She's a singer. She's always singing. And I'm like, I'm a karaoke singer. And the guy's like, nope, you're a singer. And um, he invited me into his studio. Come to find out he's the keyboardist for the Commodores. The Commodores. I love wow. the Commodores. And yeah, me too. He's like, I love your voice. I want you to sing this song. And he gave me a song from um, 
Oh, Joni Mitchell, both sides now. I uh -huh. see the clouds from both sides now. And he jazzed it up. He has, it's, it's your story. It's your life. And so on this album, I sing both sides now. It's a little jazzed up, slowed down. Then there's another one, Summertime. And Summertime is huge for me because both sides now is my life. Summertime is my older brother played multiple instruments, but I remember him when he picked up the guitar, everyone learns dun, 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 dun. And I remember doing, oh my gosh, I never want to know this kind of music. Because <laughs> he played it constantly. And then he learned the sax. And the first song he played on the sax was Summertime. And I remember thinking, I love music. Huh. And so Summertime is on the album because it reminds, it's the core of why I love music so much. It's an emotional escape. Summertime was, you know, your, oh, let me sing it. Sounds good. Oh. Summertime and living is easy. Fish are jumping and the cotton is high. Your daddy's rich and your mama's good looking. So hush, little baby, don't you cry. That song was so powerful for mm. me. Thank you. <laughs> because people are like, you have no problems. Look at your dad. Your dad's a chief in the Air Force. Your mom's this beautiful lady. You've got the perfect family. You've got, and I'm like, just because everything's perfect on the outside doesn't mean life is perfect. And mm. so when my brother would play that song on his sax, it used to make me cry. So now I sing it on my album and my brother plays backup for me on the sax. And then the last song is Don't Get Around Much Anymore by a, it remade by uh, Natalie Cole. I can't remember who sang it originally, but Don't Get Around Much Anymore, I put on the album because when I went through my, bre my brain injury and then my breast cancer, people, a lot of people left me. A lot of people I thought were my friends left me. My wow. brain injury, they didn't believe I had a brain injury because they would see me and I was sitting upright. I'm missing four parts of my brain. It's, mm. they're dead. But wow. I was still able to sit upright and I was still testing at an eighth grade level when they were testing my brain, but no one knew, well, the doctors didn't know is I was working on my doctorate when I got hit by that car and I was testing at an eighth grade level. So people are like, oh, you're fine. You're just, you just have a headache. Just go home. Wow. I have a brain injury. And so those people went away. And then when I got breast cancer, it was like people thought I was contagious with cancer or didn't want to watch me die. And they disappeared. So don't wow. get around much anymore was my, is my anthem of you know, sometimes you have to leave people behind in order to progress. Mm -hmm. I had to leave a lot of people behind in order to become this woman because the old me was worried about those friends leaving me. So I would stay smaller because I didn't want them to leave me. And then one day I realized for me to grow to be the woman I would be proud to be, the woman I would be proud to die as, I had to leave a lot of people behind. So the don't get around much anymore. Do you know that song? Vaguely. It's uh, I've heard it. I've heard it. Um, but I, I you know, I, I don't know if I remember it. Uh, if we start singing it, of course, I'll remember it. Okay, let's see if I can hit the note since I've been hanging out all day. It's um Miss the Saturday dance. Heard they crowded the floor. Couldn't be there without you. Don't get around much anymore. You know, and it's basically a, I don't get out very much. I don't do what I used to do. I don't play small like I used to. I play at the level that I would be, I am proud of. And for those of you who want to play at a bigger level with me, come on, let's play. But if you want to hold back and talk about other people and say, so-and-so is doing this because they're, stay out of my world. Because don't get around much anymore. It, it yeah, the songs all have a different meaning for me. Well, I, I you know, it's I didn't know, you know, what songs you had on the album or or what they were, but 
you know, it's just amazing. You take, you know, those songs to reflect phases of your life or who you are, and and that's the choices you make. But there's messages in all of them, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's the other side of what makes this so powerful. So people can definitely go to your site and be able to uh, check it out, and um, you know, they can check out and get get that uh, and support uh, what you're doing because be uh, awesome. because you what's that? I said that would be awesome. Yes, it would. And your voice is beautiful. And so, you know, it, it, it would be a great thing. It's, it's just, it, it's such a uplifting music. Because like you say, music changes us. You know, I, I, now I, I get up every morning and I listen to this one song, both because the music I love, but it also has a message. And the message is, uh, in the song, they have these lyrics called, what are you waiting for? And it's not like anybody's creating any more time. It's by this group called God and Country. And, you know, it's just a message going, well, what are we waiting for? You know, what are we waiting to, to do in our lives? Why are we not doing what we need to do? So it's a reminder every day. But the music puts me in that state, right? It puts me in a state of like, let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go. You know, let's, let's do more. Let's uh, help more. Let's serve more. Let's do whatever we can. You know, what, what, am, what am I waiting for? Um, so I love that. And that's what your songs do. It just puts you in a, in an emotional state and a, and a mindset that's, uh, uplifting. Yes. So very, very good. And then if that ain't enough, uh, this, this woman does everything. So she, besides doing all that, you also have podcasts. You have your own, uh, two podcast shows. Well, one's a podcast show, Denim and Pearls, um, which you do with a partner and tell us a little bit about that. Denim and Pearls is so much fun. <laughs> um, it's, Denon and Pearls Business Casual with Pearls of Wisdom from the Porch. And it started with that. We started that one during COVID. And what here's the crazy story. Okay. My business, my partner in pod in the podcast, I was scared of him for a good 16 years. Huh. And I, when I was working my other jobs, I would go to these networking meetings and I would run into this guy and I'd <gasps> And I'd run away and I'd leave the meeting. I was terrified of him. Wow. He looks like the guy who took me my senior year of college. Oh, God. So it triggered all that. He triggered me. And yeah. then um, he drove a Mustang. He was a smoker. You know, and it's like, <laughs> so every time I saw him, I panicked. Well, wow. COVID hit. His face kept popping up. And um, I'm like, I would delete him as a friend request. I would just delete it. Or people, <laughs> you should know, I would delete it. Well, it kept popping up. And I remember telling my husband, I thought when you deleted friend request or friend suggestions, they wouldn't come back up. His face kept popping up. Now, you have to understand, I've been addressing all my fears ever since my brain injury. Ever since I came through that, I've been addressing them because I want to be the most powerful me. So I address all my fears. But one, that boy. And wow. so I looked up to heaven. I'm like, you really want me to talk to him? Cause I'm afraid of him. So <laughs> I friended him and then I wrote him and said, Hey, um, I know it's COVID. I haven't seen anyone. I know you're working on your yard. Cause I was stalking him for a little bit. And <laughs> I, I know you're working on your yard. Do you mind if I come over? And he said, well, I'm having a beer right now. Come on over. So I went to his house and I sat 20 feet from him. I sat at the other end of the deck from him and we talked. And then a couple of days later, I came back and I had another beer and I moved closer. And every time I came back, I moved closer. And then one day I'm, I looked at him and I went, you're not the monster I thought you were. And he went, huh? huh? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I associated you. And I told him the whole story. And he's like, oh, my God. Wow. I'm so sorry. He's I just wanted to be your friend. I didn't know I was torturing you. I said, I didn't. I, I said, I just had you locked. I said, what I've learned from you is you don't judge a book by its cover. Just because you look like a duck, you walk like a duck, you drove like a duck, everything didn't mean you were a duck. You're actually now, he's one of my very best friends. And so it's like, wow, my fear as a young person prevented me from meeting this man who is now, he's my friend. He's the reason I have the music album out. Wow. Yeah. So Brian Swanson, thank you so much. Call out for my friend, Brian Swanson. Nice. And so Denman Pearls is, is it's a, we talk about entrepreneurship and small business. Like, and where, the, where do people listen to it or watch it as a video podcast or audio or both? Everything. Okay. And where In, do they watch it? YouTube? They can watch it on YouTube. If you go to Denim and Pearls Live, 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. That's our website. And then you can go to all the links. We're on Spotify, Apple, uh, Rumble, you name it, YouTube. We also go live on Facebook every Friday at noon. Okay. But all the replays, you can find them. Brian is a techie. So <laughs> it's everywhere. If it was just me, it would be only on YouTube and only <laughs> on Facebook. But he put it everywhere. Yeah, what well, is that being able to spread it? Well, that's good. So denimandpearlslive.com, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's not enough because you're you got so much time on your hands, Michelle. But then you also have a, a show that um comes out of uh, the Philippines. Yes, um, mental shift. On, and and that's mental shift. Whoop, that's not the picture I wanted to show. Uh, this is all the up one of the season one, 18 oh, that's episodes. Season one. I'm in season right. seven now. What season now? Seven. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to really work hard to catch up to you. Um, and, and this is mental shift. And that's from another couple of years ago. These are just some pictures I grabbed and this, tell us about that. Um, it's the, the network it's out of the Philippines. You seven uh, episodes, seven years now. Uh, seven episodes. Um, I'm on, I'm, I'm on season seven. So season seven. Yeah. Times 13 each season. Yeah, it's a lot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But with, with mental shift, mental shift used to be, okay, I have to tell you the, the, the growth of it. For those of you who are like, oh, she's got a TV show thing, blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't always that. It was originally, I was on a um, offshoot of NPR here in Colorado. It was called Conversations with Michelle on KCMJ 93.9. And wait, so wait, I was- Stop, stop, stop one second. That voice, she listen to this, people. That radio voice is just, it's you got such a great voice. I wish my voice was like that, but you got such a great voice. Um, KCMJ 93.9, you are listening to Conversations with Michelle. That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it started. And then um, I went from radio because I had guests on, and if you swear, it was a $10,000 fine to me. And so it was like, I can't do this live stuff anymore <laughs> and I can't do it on NPR. So I moved it to online onto Facebook and on Facebook, someone in the Philippines was watching me and he saw me coming to the Philippines to go visit my family. I was going to go on a, me and my sister were traveling around the islands. And he says, if you're coming to the Philippines, I'd love to meet you. So I met him. And then immediately after, like three months later or something crazy like that, COVID hit. Wow. And the, everyone shut down. And he said, right. well, I've always wanted you to come to the Philippines, but why don't you just move your show onto my platform? I started an online platform called The New Channel. Okay. You can be from anywhere. So I moved my, my Facebook Wednesday Wisdoms with Michelle to Mental Shift to mental shift on the live stream TV out of the Philippines. So it is everywhere, but it has a very large audience. So when my guests come on, like you are going to be a guest, we are exposed to over 7 million people. And that's just the tip of it. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to doing that with you. It's a uh, uh, Tuesday night, um, 6.30 my time, 7.30 mountain time. And then it's the next day in the Philippines. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a uh, matter of fact, I'll just put that up. That's the, on, on the right side, that's mental shift. I'm going to be on that Tuesday, really looking forward to that. Um, but so you've done uh, seven episodes of that. Uh, seven, seven seasons. Eight, seven seasons. I, I say episodes, seven seasons, 80 episodes, maybe um, or more. I had 91. I think I've had 91 shows. Wow. 91 shows on TNC now. And, 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 and what are the range of stuff that you do? Because obviously 90 episodes, you, you you covered a whole range of different kinds of guests. Yes. What is that kind of like? What, you know, what uh, gets you to put somebody on or have a conversation with someone? What is it that, you know, uh, makes you do that show? Mental shift is literally mental shifts. And so what it was originally is they wanted me on to talk about my mental shifts. And I'm like, Okay, mine are limited. I meet so many people who are so inspirational from just waking up every day. So what I do is I invite people onto the show who share their mental shifts. What did they do before? Like you, what did you do before? And then what happened that made you do, wait a minute, 
I really need to do a little bit more. I need to shift and do this. And so that's who I have on my show. It can range from, you know, a, a from someone who went through paraplegic everything to someone who's gone through horrific to someone who's a mom or a dad who has a child who was in, in on the spectrum. I mean, it, it, it ranges so much. I have I, my most recent guest. She was military. She was military for 25 years of her life. She got out. She's been in the military since she was 17. Wow. So what does someone do when all their life they've been told who and what and what to wear and everything to come out at 50 something years old and do, who am I? Who am and I? So we talked about who am I? It's the mental shifts. So to be a guest on my show, really, you need to have a website and a message that you want to share with the world about your mental shift and how they can become the best version of themselves. Because my audience is very spread out. I mean, I, I teach, I'm a, like an adjunct professor out in India. So I have a lot of young engineers who watch me. And then in the Philippines and in Ireland, and I've got a really weird group of people who watch me because it ranges from 17 to 80 something and wow. depending on where they are in the world. So I invite people who will inspire just by being who they are. Well, I'm honored to be someone that you invited to come on your show. I'm looking forward to it. Me I really too. am. Uh, it, it, it'll be fun. It, definitely fun. Um, but you know, the other thing, and, I'm, and we're getting close to the end, um, but I wanted to also talk about, you're also a life coach and you have an um, interesting uh, nickname, shall we say. And I, I'm going to read this little thing that you had shared, and I just want to share with the audiences, and then you can finish, and we'll get into the end of this. Um, and this is from your page. Do you have limiting beliefs, an inner critic voice that says you aren't worthy? My clients call me the fruit brick. Um, I guide you in a dialogue from I can't to I can. It's my quest to help others discover the, unique, the uniqueness they bring to the world and help them step into the world unapologetically. So that's a kind of interesting uh, um, nickname that you have, but it, obviously you challenge people. You, and, and you mentioned that in your, in your um, the YouTube video. You just don't accept that they can stay small or they can stay limited. You challenge them. You challenge them to step out, step out and grow. Yes. And, and that's why I said that in my video, because they said, you do not take timid people. I do either you're courageous and you're ready to jump or don't work with me. And they're like, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? You're kind of like a truth brick. You just kind of hit us in the head. I do. But I do it with a smile. <laughs> and a song. <laughs> and a song. Yeah. But the thing is, is when life is happening and change is needed, you don't need coddling. You need someone to say, I believe in you. Fly. Right. And that's what I do. Well, when I left New York, uh, the quote that I chose, because I, I went through the darkest time of my life, I left New York with $100 in my pocket. And the quote I, I picked at the time was there was a quote someone had out there about, you know, come to the edge, the fly, jump off the cliff, and you'll find your wings on the way down. Mm -hmm. And it was just a message to myself is like, okay, I'm going into the unknown. I may, I, I may not, you know, make it. But I'm I'm hopefully I'm gonna fly, right? But when you do that, you find that you find the wings and you find the way and you fly and you yeah. and you you know um and, and you just gotta get to that point. You just gotta say no, I'm I'm gonna do it. So yeah, I, I resonate with what you just said with that. So as we wrap up, what message would you like to leave us with, leave the audience with? And I'm gonna also once again put up they can reach you at your website to get so much more of your message in everything you do. But Share with us the uh, your closing comments, thoughts, anything you want to uh, share with the audience. I wrote a quote during my brain injury. And so here's my quote I love to end with. Change is an emotional journey. It's not rainbows and butterflies through a field of daisies. Change is uncomfortable and it forces you to evaluate who you are. The beauty is in the possibilities. Quote by Michelle. Love it. Love it. And you, everybody, um, go to her website, check out her books, check out her, her music, check out her speaking, check out her coaching, um, check out her 
podcast show, check out her TV show. Just say check out Michelle at <laughs> There's too much to say. And, and this is what happens when you're living unapologetically and courageously. You just start doing all this stuff. I mean, my movie just came out. I think it's on Amazon Prime now, too. So check out the IMDb. I'm telling you, it's really fun. All of it. Just <laughs> check out Michelle. I'm going to go with the check out Michelle. That's the way to do it. So thank you, Michelle. It's been such a, a pleasure, such a, a fun conversation on every level. Um, thank you so much for being part of this with me. And I look forward to having another conversation with you in two days. Yes, in two days. Thank you so for having me. And we'll see all of you in two days also. Yes, please join us. All right. Have a great one, Michelle. Thank Take you very care. much. Bye. Bye.